perfect coffee shop is kind of like the perfect red lipstick. I have not found it yet. I have many red lipsticks. I probably have 20 and they're all great, but it's like a unicorn for me. So I've found several really nice ones. Mm -hmm. And to say that I've found the ultimate coffee shop, I, I haven't yet. And I kind of hope I never do because then my quest will be over. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us for the Geopats podcast special and new coffee show. Hey, good morning. I am excited to talk about one of my favorite topics in the world, which is coffee. So thanks for asking me. There's nothing to get me to follow someone on social media quicker than a picture of coffee. Yeah, that's a good clue that, that you found a kindred spirit. Before we dive into the, the global coffeeness of your caffeinated experience, can you give us a quick snapshot of where you're from and where you're currently living? And Sure. Yeah. So my name is Anna Hernandez Blackstad, and I spent most of my adult life in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, coffee capital of the USA. I'm going to say that mm -hmm. loud and proud. And about three years ago, my husband and I moved to Prague for a work opportunity. And we've been here ever since. And although I will not say that Prague is on the same level as Seattle in terms of coffeeness, I think it's a really up and coming coffee destination. And, and Europe, of course, is a great place for coffee. So that's been a fun part of our expat experiences, you know, expanding our, our taste buds uh, to learn about different coffee cultures over here in Europe, too. Where else have you consumed this lovely beverage? When we were applying for our visa to stay in the Czech Republic, um, we had used lots of our Schengen days already for travel. And anybody who has come over to Europe for an extended period of time knows what I'm talking about, but you can only stay in the Schengen zone for uh, 90 days out of everyone. Mm. So we had, we had used up a lot of our Schengen days. And so we actually had to leave the Czech Republic while we were waiting for our visas. And so we went to live in the UK. We ended up staying for 13 weeks, eight in uh, wow. right around Windsor, Maidenhead, England, and um, five weeks in Scotland, and had some great coffee time there because my husband was working, I wasn't, and uh, <laughs> so my life consisted of going to all the local coffee shops and having a scone or scone, and if I was lucky, striking up a conversation with a local, and so I had some really nice coffees and scones all over that area of England. Oh, we were just in Norway this past Christmas. Oh. And Norway is such a great place. Oh, and Sweden too. We, the, the Christmas before that we were in Sweden. And um, because the days are so short, that whole fika coffee culture is mm -hmm. alive and well. And there's <laughs> nothing quite as comfort comforting as you're walking kind of in this sort of darkening, misty evening and you see this warm glow of a coffee shop and people mm. sitting in the window with these steaming mugs and mm -hmm. you know finding a cozy nook and just kind of sitting and and, and I, I really like that part of travel is the, sort of the going over the day, you know, before you got to dinner, but it's late afternoon. And that's often a time when my husband and I will pop into a coffee shop and kind of go, wow, that was, that was a fun day. What, what else did we do? What did you think yeah. of that? What did you think of that? And yeah. Kind of a nice pre going back to the hotel and, and getting ready for dinner rituals. See where else had some very nice coffee in Finland. 
again, we end up going to these cold places in the winter, I think, because it's cheap to travel there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it just happens to coincide with my coffee love. One inextricable memory for me, we took a a road trip one summer through southern Germany on, they call it, I think, the Castle castle route or something but you get lots of different castles and we went through the black forest and having the black forest cake and a cup mm. of coffee uh, oh. it's, it's with that memory for me of, that's beautiful uh, can you give our listeners a, a visual of maybe one of your favorite coffee shops and when you go there what are you ordering what are you possibly eating and where do you sit and can you just kind of have us see one of your favorite coffee places for me like the 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 perfect coffee shop is kind of like the perfect red lipstick i have not found it yet (laughs) (laughs) okay as close as we can get then (laughs) an eternal lifelong quest like i have many red lipsticks i probably have 20 and they're all great but like i it's like a unicorn for me so coffee shops are kind of the same way like you know, I've found several really nice ones, mm-hmm. and um, but like to say that I've found like the ultimate coffee shop, I I haven't yet, and I hope I kind of hope I never do because then my quest will be over. But for me, I think it's got to have comfortable furniture. It's got to be somewhere that I want to linger. So if it's all like upright wooden chairs and rickety tables that don't balance correctly, like that just kind of throws off the whole experience. So in in that situation, if I walked in and I saw something like that, I'd do a grab and go. <laughs> I wouldn't actually stay there. So some squishy, some squishy armchairs, like a cozy atmosphere and really great customer service. It's going to smell good and look good. And if it has a display case full of tempting cakes and cookies, that just is, you know, icing on the top. So there's a few. There's one Mama Coffee that's a local chain here in Prague that I like. It's in the Carlin district, um, which is where I used to live, and that one's pretty pretty good. So if you can get a like a, a squishy booth type chair or one of the padded chairs mm-hmm. in the window and have a yummy baked good and a latte, that's a pretty good coffee experience. Nice music, not too loud so that you can still talk to your companions or still work or whatever. But for me, it's, it's kind of an eternal quest. And that's part of the fun too, is checking out new coffee places and, and seeing if they meet the criteria. Also in Carlin here in Prague, uh, there's a place called Mui Shalek Kavi, which is my cup of coffee. It's translated as that. And that was my my neighborhood, like one block from my house that the baristas and the servers knew me. They had some really yummy cakes and cookies. I didn't love the coffee though. It wasn't my favorite. So if I could combine sort of that avmiats with mama coffee, but uh, I will say it doesn't always have to be warm and cozy either. I remember when my husband and I went to Istanbul and we went in July, which I know why were we going to Turkey in July, but there we were. And it was, it felt like it was 150 degrees and we mm-hmm. saw a Starbucks and we took refuge there and they had um, ice and they had air conditioning mm-hmm. and they had Wi-Fi. For that moment, it was the perfect coffee shop. 
because <laughs> it, it fulfilled all of our needs um, at that moment. A, a really nice cold iced iced coffee and a respite from the heat and a place to sort of regather our thoughts. And, you know, a lot of people say, why do you go to Starbucks when there's so many other places? For me, it's comfort. It's comfort. Mm-hmm. Like I know what I'm going to get there. I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times in a foreign country, that will be one of our stops is to get our bearings yeah. and to, you know, re- refuel and get ready for whatever the day holds. And it, it takes a little bit of the scariness out when, when you can get your first cup of, of coffee in the morning and set off for your day um, without a lot of scariness and uncertainty. Honestly, some of the ones in Shanghai and where I used to live in Nanjing, China, some of the buildings are built so beautifully and the inside is so comfortable and gorgeous that I'll just mm-hmm. go and get a Perrier sometimes. I'm like, I want to sit in that pretty comfortable space. So it's Yeah, like- we have one like that here in Prague that is kind of iconic. It's a Starbucks in this in this cool old building in a really pretty old square. And um, I go there every morning now since I changed jobs. That's my new on the way to work coffee Mm -hmm. um, stop. You take a minute to enjoy the beauty of the surroundings. And some days you just need that predictability of like, okay, I know what this is going to taste like. Absolutely. Let's talk more about what you normally get when you go into these cafes. What's your, what's your drink of choice? I will usually get a cafe latte with an extra shot, skinny milk. And if they have caramel, I will have caramel because I really love that sort of caramelly depth of flavor. If not, I'll put some sugar in just because I'm a cream and sugar kind of girl. But again, it kind of depends on what the specialty of the house is too. So, you know, when we were in Turkey, it was Turkish coffee with all the sugar and the really like the grinds at the bottom or grounds, I guess, because that's what you drink there. And in Italy, it's um, straight espresso so that you can really, or a macchiato so you can taste the the coffee. So yeah, it kind of depends on where I am, but my, my daily is like a cafe latte. I love a cold brew in the summer. Oh um, my gosh. It's so good. Yeah. If I could find cold brew here more places than, than just the handful of places I found mm-hmm. it, I'd probably drink it year round. Cause I, I really like that. Do you know strength. what, Anna? It is the easiest thing to make in the world. You literally so you make your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I do sometimes. Yeah. I, especially, especially in summer, you just take the grinds, you put them in. I, I have like, um, gosh, what is it called? Like maybe like a half gallonish kind of like plastic bottle and uh, for like drinks and I'll take the grounds, I'll put them in, I'll put just cold water, shake it up, leave it overnight. And then you just filter it the next morning. And I usually add ice cause I really like ice in my cold brew and that's it. Yeah. There's no wow. way to mess up a cold brew. Oh, good. Because see, I've been hesitant to try it at home because I'm just so rubbish at making coffee. But I've been researching cold brew makers and um, even looking at Amazon. And as a geopath like yourself, I'm a little bit hesitant to invest in new gadgets. But I always have a plastic bottle laying around. So that's a great tip. I think I might try that myself. Because I used to travel a lot for work. I would take just a a water bottle that was in the hotel room and I put grinds in that and leave it overnight and then use whatever I could as a filter the next day. Or just pour it very slowly out and just leave the last, maybe the last little bit in there with the water because usually the grounds stay at the bottom. I'm sure the makers that they have and stuff have monitor the chemical composition and the ratio more, but the I find that it actually tastes really good just doing it that simple way. 
who's usually in these coffee shops in Prague? Because Prague's very heavily touristed. Families or people working on their laptops or tourists or kids or what, what, what do you usually see when you go into these places? Yeah, it really depends on where in the city you are. The, the place where I work now, Anglo-American University, is in the really touristy part. Mm-hmm. And so if you go into a coffee shop in, in that neighborhood, it's just below Prague Castle. So you'll see lots of tourists with maps and apps <laughs> trying to get their bearings. Where I live now is a neighborhood called Smichov. And um, it's not as touristy. So you'll see lots of students. Prague is a very student-friendly city. There's a lot of universities here. So you see students studying. You'll see people on their laptops. You'll see um, families. In the daytime, um, you'll see a lot of moms with strollers. You'll see multi-generational families. Mm-hmm. Um, so grandma, mom, and the kids, or grandma and, the, and, and grandpa and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the grandkids. You see that a lot. Yeah, so it's it's really a mixture. But one thing I, I like about coffee culture here in Prague is that people linger over their coffee and, and also their beer and whatever they're consuming. Sure. Um, it's a very conversational place. And that took me a while to get used to as an American because mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more like go in, get my coffee, have my conversation and, and leave. Like, you know, <laughs> um, people, here, people here linger and yeah. they'll sit for a long time with a with a coffee cup and that's that's fine here even at dinner like you're you have the table until you're done with the table there's no kind of rushing you along and so that has taken some adjustment for me to kind of slow down appreciate I can always order a second cup that's been a kind of a nice life lesson here is to just kind of slow down and appreciate what you're doing in that moment, as opposed to thinking about everything that you have to do next. Right. I hadn't thought about that until right this moment, Anna. That's really funny because I I grew up with Italian parents and taking time with your coffee and conversation was just like embedded, embedded into me at a young age. And I just thought that was, yeah, that would be an adjustment if you're used to it being more of a quick beverage, uh, takeaway kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah well, and, and that's one thing I love about Italy too, is that you'll see the people come in, stand mm-hmm. at the bar, drink their shot, get on day, and then you'll see these hours and hours long conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing I love about Italian culture is just that, that fine art of conversation mm-hmm. and storytelling mm-hmm. and the after, after dinner talk. So I think that was a a lovely culture that you grew up in and and have an appreciation for that. I think I'm just going to broadly say a a lot of Americans could, could learn from that. And they might might be, I mean, coffee culture, depending on which coffee place you go to and which city in the U S there are different ones with, with that slower vibe of, we expect you to, to linger and chat for a while kind of thing. So it just, it slowly might be happening. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that would be. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe it was just my lifestyle in the States too, was sort of cram as much as you can into every day. I, I don't think I ever permitted myself that luxury of kind of slowly sipping. <laughs> it was more like, okay, get this done, go on to the next thing. So I think that's one of the great life lessons of being a geopad or an expat is (laughs) I love that you're using that word thank you well yeah I want I wanted to use it I wanted to get your permission because I think it's such a great word and yeah please feel free to use it often 
My name is Sean and I am the host of a podcast called Expat Life Germany. And as the title very, very cleverly suggests, it's about expats living in Germany. So if you want to hear stories about expat life or Let's say you're interested in Germany as a country and what life might be like here, especially for outsiders. Then this podcast is something that you can listen to. Or if you just want to listen to people's stories, how they came to a country, what they do for a living. It's, uh, I, I've had some great guests. I had someone who gave, gave a TEDx talk. I had two writers who'd written a book. In the future, I'm going to be having podcast hosts on the show. I am going to be talking to a novelist who's about to re release a fantasy book. Just all kinds of people. You'll be surprised what kind of people are living in this country. So check out the podcast, Expat Life Germany, on any podcast app that you listen to it on. Or you could visit expatlifegermany.de. If you like the kind of thing that you're hearing on the Geopets podcast, then you may be interested in what's on Expat Life Germany. Until then, auf Wiederhören. Hello, I'm Katie Sewell. And I'm Tiffany Parks. In 2013, I quit my job as a senior producer for public radio, and I moved to Rome. Temporarily, just for a year. A move that was completely out of character for you, by the way. Yeah, no kidding. I was definitely the play-it-safe, get-a-job, hold-on-to-it, work-your-way-up kind of person. And when I fell in love with Italy, and Rome specifically as a teenager... I just decided on a whim to move here over a decade ago with no real plan other than to find a way to stay no matter what. And I am still here. It worked. And that's where our podcast, The Bittersweet Life, begins in Rome five years ago. And if you listen, don't be afraid to start from the beginning. Rome really comes alive in those older episodes. The Bittersweet Life is a weekly show about living abroad or wanting to live abroad. Our listeners regularly ask us some pretty deep questions like, how do you choose a path without regretting it? Or how could I be less lonely? Lots of our listeners have made big changes because of the show. One recently moved to Spain. Another quit her job as a lawyer and moved to Milan. There are lots of travel podcasts that will help you find a good piece of pizza. The Bittersweet Life explores not just how to live in a foreign place, but how to live. And we promise if you listen regularly, you'll start to think about your own life differently as well. It's weekly, it's funny, it's thoughtful. Some of the world's best writers and thinkers regularly stop by. Just search for The Bittersweet Life wherever you get your podcasts or visit thebittersweetlife.net. Let's go back in time a bit, Anna. When did you fall in love with coffee? Is there any moment you can hone in on? So I always thought coffee was gross for a long time. Yep. It was something my parents drank and, you know, it was an adult thing and I never really liked the taste. And But my friend Sally, who I hope hears this, was a coffee lover from a young age. And so I would go with her to coffee shops. And so I started off drinking chai lattes because it was like sweet and spicy. And, it was, and then I started drinking mochas. So there's the chocolate and the coffee, which are two of my loves. And then slowly I started like not ordering the mocha anymore and just going for the coffee. And so um, Sally was my introduction to <laughs> coffee as an adult. And <laughs> I really am glad that I decided to kind of shed that coffee is gross mentality uh, because it's been such a fun part, I think, of, of travel and of, of um, exploring different, different places. And um, my friend Sally and I have this shared love of coffee now. So hopefully I can be 
Sally for someone else. <laughs> right? I keep meeting people who have the same experience and I also had the same experience. I hated coffee my entire, despite it being around and my mom made, having a mocha pot at home constantly. I mean, she just did. There was always one or two of those in varying sizes around. I did not like coffee until my early 30s. I was working in a hostel in Northern, in Northern California, just north of San Francisco, and we had to make coffee as part of the morning ritual of kicking people out of the hostel. And so it was kind of our nice, here's coffee, get out. And I got, I really, I've always loved the scent of coffee, but I didn't like the, the taste of it. And there were some mornings when I was as a hostel worker is broke and tired. And I just started drinking it just to stay awake. And I actually really loved that blend. And that was my gateway. It was this very chocolatey, very dark Mexican blend. And it was beautiful. And then it was just, there was no looking back. Then I just would (laughs) seek it out every single place I went. (laughs) Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. I think sometimes you need a grown up appreciation of not just the flavor, but also the experience of it. Absolutely. Of all the places that you mentioned, Turkey, Italy, Greece, the UK, Norway, Sweden, Finland, was there any of any coffee experience that blew you away that you'll never forget in any of those places? Well, I'll tell you a couple things. One that comes to mind is our first trip to Italy. We decided mm-hmm. to go to the Cinque Terre and oh. um, at, on our way there, we, we went through Genoa and we were in our hotel the first morning after mm-hmm. we had arrived in Genoa. It was, I think it was the best Western. I don't remember much about it other than breakfast was included. So we went down to the breakfast room and they come around. Would you like coffee? Sure. And I just remember taking a sip of that coffee and it was so good. And it was just plain that's included with your hotel room coffee about the flavor and I think it's just Italy. I don't know. <laughs> it's just once you cross the border into Italy, it was just so good. And my husband and I both kind of locked eyes over the breakfast table. We're like, oh my gosh, this coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that was just kind of one of those moments where we're yeah. like, oh, this is this is good. We're going to enjoy this trip for so many reasons. But the coffee, mm-hmm. we have to have coffee as many places as we can. So that was a that was a really great coffee moment. And then. Recently, here in Prague, I had, I think what combines the best of theatricality of coffee and the Mm -hmm. flavor of coffee is a place called Venue. And we have a group of geopat friends and we go to brunch fairly often, a few times a month. Um, We'll go to brunch together. And this place has a iced latte, which is something I would order anywhere, right? Ice latte Mm -hmm. summer. So it comes out on this beautiful tray. The the server brings it out and there's this tall tumbler filled with ice cubes. And then on the top, there's two espresso ice cubes. Okay. Dark brown espresso ice cubes. Oh my gosh. And then he brings this little jar or jug of steamed milk and he pours the steamed milk over the espresso and the ice And you just watch as this magical alchemy happens and the espresso ice cubes melt and mingle with the hot milk. And it was beautiful. And then on the side, there's a little picture of like simple syrup so that you could sweeten it to taste. And and then the flavor was great too. So it wasn't just pretty, but it was actually really tasty as well. But there was something about that 
theatricality of it and the presentation <sighs> and being there with good friends right. and it was a warm day and an ice latte that tasted really good. And it was just, I have been telling so many people about this place, like go order an ice latte. Beautiful. Now I found their website. Is this a gallery, like an art gallery as well? It looks beautiful. It's kind of an art space and um, restaurant, cafe, really good brunches and just really, really nice service. In a world of ice lattes that have made no impression whatsoever, that one was just, <laughs> they, did it, they did it beautifully. So yeah, that was, that was great. That's the thing about lattes. They are yummy, but there's so much milk that a lot of times you can't taste the coffee. It's pretty watered down, right. And this one had a very nice coffee flavor. It wasn't bitter. It was pronounced, but it wasn't like mm -hmm. in your face. And mm -hmm. something about watching those espresso ice cubes melt and mingle with the milk. Do I wish I had a video of that just to watch it over and over again. <laughs> I know. Well, sometimes you just don't expect stuff and you're not ready for it. I really like um, the presentation of a really good Turkish coffee with mm -hmm. the little tiny silver cups. And, oh, I would say a Thai iced coffee when you watch mm -hmm. it drip drop by drop into your cup. That's a pretty nifty experience. And yeah. I have not been to Vietnam, but we have some really lovely Vietnamese mm -hmm. Thai restaurants in Seattle um, that will do that that slow drip coffee at your table. Those are pretty fun. I like those. Oh, there's also a place here in Prague called Eska and they um, are a full service restaurant, but they also have a bakery part downstairs and they have one of those super elaborate Japanese cold brew makers. I don't know if yes. you've seen those. Yeah. They have mm -hmm. one of those. Oh, it's huge. I, I don't even know how big it is, but the coffee that comes out of that thing, the cold brew mm -hmm is a revelation. And I'm sad to say that I only discovered their velvety, delicious cold brew like mm. a few days before we moved out of Carleen and moved to a different part of Prague. <laughs> so I haven't been back since. But if I'm in that neighborhood, I will go back there for a cold brew because it's Do you know so what? Good. I, just, I just learned last week that cold brew originated in Japan. I did not know that. You know, it doesn't surprise me. I think there's kind of that art and beauty. Like you were saying, you can make it at home with a plastic bottle. Sure. Or you can do things the Japanese way, right? Which is so mm -hmm. beautiful, so elegant. Mm -hmm. And that was a great a great find. And I'm sorry that I found it so late, but I will be going back there for cold brew for sure. And that's E-S-K-A, right? Yeah, Eska. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found them too. Gosh, the food in Prague looks so good. Oh, and I should make a little plug for my friend Allison and I yes. um, have our Prague restaurant reviewing Twitter account. Now. Allison Macheski? Uh-huh. Yeah. She has, what? how many projects is she in? Anyway, sorry, oh, go ahead and plug and then yeah, I'll... Yeah, she's all over. She's the amazing woman, a Renaissance woman. But uh, together we are at Las Saboritas, L-A-S-S-A-B-O-R-I-T-A-S -S -S on Twitter. And we roam around Prague and anywhere else that we're traveling and rate restaurants on a one to five Chile scale. Oh my gosh. One, one Chile being not very good and five Chiles being drop everything and go immediately. So we've really enjoyed working on this little side project together. If folks are interested in Prague food and culture and coffee, mm -hmm. 
they can follow us there and, and read our restaurant reviews. And we're always taking suggestions of places we should go. And, that's and check. wonderful. I think that's how I found you actually is because I hooked up with her via podcasting and, and just the general internet, Twitter, probably the We Are Expats Roadcore. It's such an incestuous world online. She was on two shows actually on Geopats. She was on the Expat Rewind show, episode 18, if I may plug, and Virtual Expats episode 30. And we did talk about food a lot. And I've been following her feed and drooling over that. But I had no idea that she also had a a, a specific feed with somebody else with just food. I'm definitely going to follow that now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, she, she and I met when she moved to Prague. Somehow we found each other on, on Twitter. And when <laughs> I saw that she was here in Prague, I said, we should meet up sometime. And we just became really good friends. And yeah. we were always talking about food and restaurants that we had been to and mm-hmm. like dissecting everything from the presentation to the ambiance, to the service, to the flavor. And then we were like, one day we should rate restaurants together. That would be fun. Okay. That's such <laughs> so a good idea. We've been oh doing it together for about a year and it's been really, really fun to explore Prague and try things that we wouldn't normally try and, you know, just really dig into the local culture here. Right. and. So, and and plus, you know, getting to do fun restaurant reviews with a friend, what what could be better than that? Well, are you drinking any coffee right now? I'm actually not. And, you know, that's a funny thing (laughs) that I know that people don't really believe about me because I love coffee so much, but I don't really make coffee at home Mm -hmm. because I'm really bad at it. I actually had a boss one time that um, prohibited me from making coffee at work because like she found it undrinkable (gasps) and I've never had a lot of success with making coffee at home. So for me, coffee is mostly a social go out and have somebody make it for me, somebody who's an expert at making coffee. And that's part of the ritual for me is going somewhere and having somebody prepare it. And so, yeah, I, my husband has a French press that he'll use every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And so I'll drink that, but to make my own, I'm not, I'm not a skilled coffee maker. And I'm, I'm finding that the more coffee conversations I have with people on and off the mic, a lot of people are in that camp. I'm kind of 50-50. I will make coffee at home, but I do really, really prefer when somebody else does it because it's, like you said, it's just so much better. Mm-hmm. And it's all part of, for me, it's part of the ritual, like right. going to the coffee shop, figuring out what I'm going to have, the sound of the when they're steaming the milk and the the sound of the coffee cups and the china and the murmured conversations. It's all part of the, for me, kind of the mystique mm-hmm. and the experience. And, and I'll be honest with you, we left our Mr. Coffee at home in the mm-hmm. States when we came over. And it seems like here, it's either like I see a lot of French presses or I see like super complicated espresso, home espresso machines. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really into the pod culture, like the coffee pod. And that speaks well of you, I think. Well, some people are really into it. And I think the convenience of it cannot be beat, but it's just not for me. And so, yeah. So for me, it's really about either some nice quiet time for myself and a book or a social activity with friends. This is only the second episode of the Global Coffee Show. I'm going to try to get as many different people in as many different places as possible because I think the differences in how coffee is made and, and displayed and all of that is just so cool. So knowing all of that, what questions should I ask them? What do you want to know from future guests? What do you see as the future of coffee? It's possible to love something to death. And where are we headed in terms of uh, preserving 
and making sure that that's there. So mm-hmm. are they are they changing the way that they buy coffee or consume coffee or who they buy it from, fair mm-hmm. trade? If the dire predictions that I mm-hmm. see online are true, our coffee future is endangered, just like our, the rest of our future, right? If, right. if uh, climate change continues the way it's going mm-hmm. and stuff. So I kind of wonder about, you know, how we're going to preserve and protect this love that we have. And I think that if we are are true lovers of coffee, that maybe we should find ways to make sure that we can preserve that for future generations. I am very intentionally focusing on the, the joy aspect of it, but I knew I needed to bring it up or somebody needed to bring up the the complications of coffee eventually. So I'm glad that you did it in the second one. So thank you for that. And just to bring a China aspect to this, because I do that because um, I'm here. <laughs> um, there's a, a local podcast by two Chinese women and they do the podcast in English. And they did a recent episode on coffee. They cover many different topics, but they did one on coffee because the southern part of China, Yunnan province, Y-U-N-N-A-N, is a big coffee grower. But they're having a lot of the similar problems that other coffee plantations and whatnot have. And so they did an episode on those issues that seem, if you're from the West and you've been hearing about free trade for a while, seems obvious, but it's something that's fairly new to Northeast Asia because coffee is still a fairly new thing. So coffee and the conscious part of how is it grown? How did it get into my cup? That's still also a fairly new thing. So I'll, I'll put that down in the show notes for you guys to listen to, but it's an, it's an interesting thing to think about is it's it's a thing that brings so much joy, but there's a lot of, like any other commercial thing, there's a lot of greed that can go into it too. So yeah, it's good to have that balance. Yeah, the, the dark side of something that we all love and enjoy. I'm yeah. so jealous that you were able to bring dark into I was trying to do a visual coffee thing to tie to the greed and you did it. You went there. <laughs> yeah, well, I I am so glad that we did this because it's not often that I get to talk to somebody in China about coffee culture there. So, and, and, you know, it it is such a great uniter, Mm -hmm. no matter where you are in the world. I mean, there's tea people and I Mm -hmm. I really like tea too, but Mm -hmm. coffee is my love. And um, there's so many people in the world that share that, that same passion. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's fun to have this dedicated time to just talk about it. When I thought of starting this show, I was like, I don't even know if we'll have enough to talk about, but here's five questions to start. And now we're, you know, over 10 and there's still so much more we can explore. And I'm so happy about that because like you, I love coffee and I live for those, what, how did you call it? Those, uh, peak peak coffee coffee experiences. I love that. (laughs) And and I I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Hawaiian coffee. My husband is from Hawaii. Oh, uh, we had some really lovely mm. Kona coffee, and um, there's some some really nice, you know, small um, coffee development still going on in Hawaii. That's another place that I think has a a small but vibrant coffee culture as well. Sure, sure. Well, we don't we don't have to stop the conversation now. I do love when guests come back and talk about different aspects of things. So in a few more months or a few more experiences later, if you want to come back, just let me know when we'll press the record button again and we can dive into sure. any other aspect. Anna, thank you so much for sharing your caffeinated joy with us today. This has been really fun to talk to you about. I appreciate the invite. And like I said, just the, the sheer pleasure of spending 
quality time talking about something that we both love so much and making a new friend in the process is great. And, and I met at Anna Blackstad, A-N-A-B-L-A-C-K-S-T-A-D and at Las Saboritas if uh, folks want to follow and I'll, I'll follow back and can continue the conversation on social. Absolutely. And all of the food and drink stuff that she was talking about, we will have in the show notes for y'all at geopets.podbean.com. Anna, thank you so much. And Yes, happy coffee drinking to everyone. If there is a man to be, strum a chord and sing to me that there will be another time, a time for you and I. With candles, books, and wine carafes Albums filled with photographs And rooms that echo tuneful laughs I'm so happy I could die I could die, I could die Someday I won't have to try Until I do, I think of you I'm so happy I could die Days of trains and coffee spoons Nights under exotic moons Lazy morning hotel rooms Well, a time for you and I And empty bottles of champagne Pearls upon a window pane A cocktail dress, a necklace chain I'm so happy I could die I could die, I could die One day I won't have to try Until I do, I think of you I'm so happy I could die and through half-deserted streets And half-hearted retreats Will I manage my defeats For a moment For a moment I think of you A home to build a life and more With trips made to the hardware store And dances on the kitchen floor Well, a time for you and I Working minds and broken hearts Collaborate the greatest arts And thunder through the empty parts But still I wonder why Wonder why, I wonder why I wonder why we have to die Until I do, I think of you I'm so happy I could die I could die, I could die One day I won't have to try until I do, I think of you, a star to light the sky. Until I do, I'll think of you, a light to grace my eye. Until I do, I'll think of you, I'm so happy I could die.